just been standing here and I've been thinking, you've got to say something. And like Bernard said, he felt that we needed to sing Faithful God. I need to tell you how faithful God is. And it makes me quite emotional, really, because I'm standing on the stage with Thomas and with Andrew, and I taught them in reception. What a faith for God. It makes me emotional to feel I'm so old. <laughs> but also to see these guys that have grown up in the Christian faith that we prayed for. And here I am, the privilege of standing here with these two. And I couldn't resist saying it, particularly as it's quite a poignant week because Tim has started school, hasn't he? He has. And I'll have to tell you, this little boy was really nervous when he started school. <laughs> But I've asked Tom, and Tim has been fine, hasn't he? Yes, he has. Yeah. So he's obviously following in his mother's footsteps and not his dad's. But God is so faithful. Keep praying, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a grandma, whether you're a mum or whatever. He is so faithful. Thank you. Thank you, I think. Indeed, I think I'm right in saying that I uh, worked myself up so much I was actually sick down another teacher. That was, yeah, I just thought I might as well. <clears throat> but no, thanks for sharing that, Andy. Um, and you're right, you know, it must be, it must be nice to share the stage with, um, you know, two sort of young, handsome men who, you know, have, have come up. Um... <laughs> so... We'll move on slightly from, um, from a, a five-year-old me to a 13-year-old, a slightly scrawny 13-year-old who had been a member of the Air Training Corps for six months and was about to do his first expedition. And this 13-year-old is standing there, and he's got his rucksack packed with hundreds of different items, half of which he knows how to use, half of which are completely superfluous, but he's seen it on a Rambo film, so I thought he'd chuck it in anyway. And um, all the other... 13-year-olds accept the invitation from a member of staff to show them how to put their rucksack on. This slightly overconfident 13-year-old decides, I don't need someone to show me how to put a rucksack on. I wear one every day for school. You just sort of sling it over your shoulder, you wrestle it into the other shoulder, and there you go. Duh. It's not difficult, is it? Hold that thought. Hold that image of that 13-year-old who has refused the help and has decided to do things his own way. The passage we're looking at this morning comes from Matthew 11. And it's just two verses. And the reason I thought we'd take a look at this passage this morning and consider what it might have for us this morning is because at this time of year, we've had holidays, hopefully we've, we've had some time to, to chill out, to get away, to maybe get some sunshine or do whatever it is that we enjoy doing in our spare time that takes our minds off um, the, uh, the, the burden that often comes with everyday life. We've been away from work and uh, maybe we've, we've got away from, from other pressures in life. And then September comes, and with it comes the start of a new term if you're a teacher or a student. Or it might be a very stressful time at work, 
it might just be a slightly depressing time because that's when the weather just begins, the days begin to shorten, the darkness begins to feel like it's taking over a bit, the temperature drops, you have to dig out your, your winter coat and begin, begin to think about getting up earlier in the morning to scrape ice off the windscreen before you leave for work. <laughs> it's good news, it's good news! You see... It's great to preach passages that talk about the power, the might, the glory of God. But if we're honest, often we wake up in the mornings and that's not the first thing we feel. Often the first thing we feel is our anger that the alarm clock is going off so early. Or maybe it's the anger that the child has woken you before the alarm clock has gone off and yet there's not going to be quite enough time to get back to sleep properly. You feel robbed of that half an hour. Or maybe you're dreading the meeting that you've got that morning. Or maybe you're dreading the interview because you're out of work. Or maybe you're dreading seeing a family member or friend or neighbour because of a dispute you've had. Maybe that's the first thing that goes through your mind. So where can we turn to when that happens? Well, for me personally, since I've become a Christian, I've found this passage helpful. And I've read it and read it and read it because it's a powerful passage. It's the words of Jesus. So let's just read it through and then consider what we can take from it this morning. What, what, what we can take from it to help us at those moments when we wake up and rather than focusing on the glory of God, we're focusing on the misery of what may or may not happen in the day to come. Jesus says these words. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. When I've read through that passage before, it's almost been like a conversation in my mind. Lord, I'm, 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 I'm desperate, I'm, I'm terrified, I'm anxious, I don't know what to do. What, what can I do? What can you offer me? Come to me, you who are weary and burdened. Okay, Lord, look, I've, I've come to you. Why? I'll give you rest. How? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Why you? You're, you're the son of God. Why should I fall at your feet, Jesus? What can you do for me? How can you identify with me? I'm gentle and humble in heart. All right, what's in it for me? You'll find rest for your soul. How? Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't know about you, but I've had that sort of conversation many, many times. And I take, I take comfort in, in the confidence of Jesus' words. I love, I love the way that he says, come to me. This went through my mind earlier this week. Um, I was watching uh, my, my favourite film. And um, I know, I, I don't, I'm not going to show a clip or anything. I appreciate that um, that could be slightly contentious in church. I mean, I, I don't understand why, apart from the, the shootings, the stabbings, the gratuitous violence and, and the glorification of organised crime. You know, other than that, I think it's absolutely fine. But no, they're, 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 good, they're good films. And um, I was watching this, and The Godfather, it's an iconic film. And I don't know if you've ever seen it, but at the start, you've got Marlon Brando sitting in his chair, and it's his daughter's wedding. 
And uh, tradition has it that on, a, on the day of your daughter's wedding, a Sicilian cannot refuse a favour asked from a friend. So there's this big line of people asking him for favours. And his instruction is quite clear. You can't do me. That's, that's, I've been practicing that in front of the mirror all week. I hope you're, hope you're impressed. But so he says, you, you come to me. If you've got a problem, you come to, don't go to the police. I control the police. Don't go to politicians. I've got them on my payroll. Don't go to other families because there'll be trouble. You come to me. I'm the Godfather. It is an absolute confidence that there is nothing that anybody could come to, to Marlon Brandt or Don Corleone for. There's nothing they can come and ask him for that he can't arrange. He is all-powerful. He's all-seeing. He's got henchmen everywhere. He can make things happen. I stop now making similarities between the head of a, a mafia and, uh, and Jesus Christ. But you see... I'm only a student minister, don't worry. But you see, actually, when we come to Christ, we can have the same confidence. Because Jesus is more powerful than the police. He's more powerful than politicians. He's more powerful than any judge. He's more powerful than any any billionaire who seems to be able to buy anything in the world. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the only one who can give us access to the Father, who can intercede for us. Jesus is our Godfather. This is an invitation. This is a very personal invitation. He doesn't say, come to church. He doesn't say, come to an alpha course. He doesn't say, come to a house group, come to um, an event that we're holding. Talk to a street. He He says, come to me. Me. No one else. All those things are good. All those things are really good. But you see, they're all secondary. The primary invitation is come to me. We can bring a friend along to church a hundred times and they can sit there and they can enjoy a service. But if they don't come to Christ, then they may have been entertained, they may have made some friends, but they haven't, they haven't um, taken the opportunity. They haven't met with Jesus. They can hold their hands up in worship. But if they haven't actually come to Jesus then they've missed the point. This is personal. Come to me. I will give you rest. No one else can offer that. I will give you rest. Take my yoke. Learn from me. This is Jesus' personal invitation to us. If we want our, our daily burden shared, we go to him. Why him? Why is this? Well, of course, when we look at Scripture, immediately before this passage... Jesus says these words. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So Jesus has has very closely identified himself with the Father. And then comes this invitation, come to me. Elsewhere in, in the gospel, in John's gospel, we see, we see the famous, the I am sayings. We see Jesus pointing to himself. I am the vine, the gate, the bread of life, the light of the world, the good shepherd, the way, the resurrection and the life. There are others that we, that we see Jesus saying. He makes it clear. And John takes, takes those, those sayings. He records those sayings. I am. Jesus points to himself. 
And when we see Jesus pointing to himself in, in John's gospel, making it absolutely clear that he's saying, I am the Son of God, I am the path to salvation, I am the way into heaven, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And for some people, they say, well, that's, that's a very exclusive faith. That's, that's, not, that's not open to all. That's, um, that's, that, that's not universal. But actually, it is universal. It is universal because, as you see at the bottom there, he says, come to me, all you who are weary. All you who are weary. Jesus Christ is open to all. All who are weary, all who face struggles, all who face difficulties, all who hear that, that wake-up call in the morning and, and immediately just have that, that feeling of dread in a pit of their stomach because of what the day may hold for them. Jesus invites us to lay at his feet. But of course, that's all very well. We can say, we can say well, that, that's, that's brilliant. Jesus points to himself. He makes it absolutely clear who he said, that he was who he said he was. Um, but sometimes we can read these words. I'll give you rest. What does that mean? How can he give, give us rest? How can Jesus identify with what it means to be burdened? We've only got to think of Jesus' life, haven't we? What burdens did Jesus face in his life? He had the burden of, of questionable parentage in the eyes of those around him. We look back now and we, we read scripture and we can see the full picture, but when Jesus was, was, was born into the world, there would have been those who, who cast doubt. Mary and Joseph weren't married. So hang on. She claims to be a virgin. She's had a baby. How does that work? There would have been those who cast doubt, and Jesus would have borne that burden. Joseph was a carpenter, so he wouldn't, Jesus wouldn't have been brought up in, in poverty because some carpenters did very well, but he certainly wasn't brought up in, in a privileged position of wealth and status. And so he would have had the, the burden of the everyday life, the burden of challenges, the burden of, well, we haven't got the money to pay for whatever the family needed. There was a very hand-to-mouth existence in those days. Some days there would have been the burden of Joseph not having been contracted to work. There may have been hunger. And of course, once he started his ministry, there was the burden of persecution, the burden of constantly being questioned, the burden of realizing who he was and then understanding the fate that was in store for him. The burden of going to Jerusalem knowing that he wouldn't be leaving Jerusalem. The burden of knowing that he was going to be punished on the cross for crimes that weren't his own. When we look at the language Jesus uses in this passage, when he calls himself humble, Humble of heart. He calls himself gentle. Actually, when we, when we look back at the, at the Greek, one year at Spurgeon, so I'm, I'm speak Greek. No, I can't speak Greek at all. Um, but um, I was reading a commentary, and it did interest me that um, 
when Jesus talks about himself being gentle and humble of heart, actually, when, we, when, when you look at um, a closer translation of those Greek phrases, actually the word used for gentle, praus, it's more um, lowly, a person with no sense of entitlement at all. Jesus, when he uses, when he uses these, uh, this, this word, he's saying, look, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing. Think of me as, as nothing. Think of me as the lowest of the low. I don't, I'm not entitled to anything. I'm lowly. I'm humble. Small, insignificant. This was, this was the language that Jesus used to describe himself. He wasn't, he wasn't flattering himself by any means. Jesus wanted people to see him as their equal. He still wants that for us today. He wants us to feel like we can, we can identify with him. That's why we can call him friend, brother, these intimate terms, this relationship we can have with him. Because he doesn't want us to see him as the son of God, up on high, seated on a throne. He doesn't want us to, to, to feel that we have to, have to bow our heads and, and just beat ourselves up with, with um, our own iniquity when we're in his presence because compared to him, we're so bad. He doesn't want us to think like that. He says, come to me. Come to me. And see me as your equal. That is such a a powerful statement. When Jesus puts himself on the same level as us. So Jesus talks about the yoke. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So what does that mean, to take a yoke upon you? Well, first of all, to the, to the Jewish audience that Jesus was speaking to, they would have been familiar with a yoke in Scripture. And when Jesus spoke about a yoke, it would have, would have conjured up different um, different images in their minds. But I can tell you now that a yoke is never a positive image. Just uh, I've got a couple of references up there. There are, there are many others. But in Deuteronomy 28, um, it's talking about, um, about how, how God's going to treat his people. It says, he will put an iron yoke on your neck until he's destroyed you. He was pretty angry. An iron yoke on your neck until he's destroyed you. So this wasn't, this wasn't a yoke to ease your burden. This wasn't a yoke to make life easier. This was a yoke to drag you down and make you suffer. In Lamentations, chapter 1, verse 14, my sins have been bound into a yoke. They have come upon my neck, and the Lord has sapped my strength. The image of a yoke in the Old Testament is one of suffering is one of punishment, is a very negative image. And so to be told, take my yoke, and to be told that in, by a loving, humble, gentle man would have been a contradiction in terms as far as Jesus' audience was concerned. They would also have understood it to mean the yoke of law, the law of the Old Testament, the Torah, and they would have, would have seen that as something very oppressive because the Pharisees, the, the, the religious leaders of the day, they, they were constantly using the law to, to identify how other people were failing, to identify how other people were living lives that, that didn't satisfy the law. And so people felt oppressed by it. People felt that it was, it was something that dragged them down. 
that made life miserable. That was the yoke of the law. But there was also the example of the yoke of learning. When a student committed to a certain rabbi and took on their their teaching and followed them, they were said to have taken the yoke of learning from that rabbi. And they would, they, would, they would learn together. And it was a yoke because the student had to um, bear the burden of learning. And there, there was a huge amount to, to learn scriptures and learn the, the instructions and other literature as well. There was a lot to learn. It was a, a, a burden of learning to carry. But equally for the teacher, there was a burden of teaching. I'm sure any, any teacher here will know that, um, that it is a, responsibility, it's a responsibility to pass on knowledge accurately and properly and make sure that you, that you teach your student well. And so the yoke of learning was another image that would have been conjured up when when Jesus spoke about the yoke. When he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So... There's a yoke. That's what it looks like. It's a, a wooden structure, and in that loop you can see um, the sort of the, the U-shaped loop. Loop. That's where the whatever, whatever animal it was—an ox or a donkey—that's where the head would have gone. That would have gone around the neck, and then the wooden um, the wooden structure you can see. Okay. Um, the wooden structure you can see along the top, the, the crossbar, that would have gone over the neck and the shoulders would have, would have pushed the burden along. So they would have been pushing their burden or pulling their burden rather like that. The, the yoke just helped them to, to carry it along. But of course, a wooden structure like that wasn't comfortable. It wasn't comfortable at all. As many of you will know, if you've um, ever tried to, tried to carry a heavy weight on your shoulder with no padding or anything, it cuts in, it rubs, it digs, it's, it's, it's unpleasant, it's painful, you get pressure points. And so what people used to do would be to go to a craftsman, a master carpenter, and say, I need a yoke made. Here's the animal that's going to be carrying the burden. I want you to make a yoke. And the carpenter would take the animal... And in effect, would measure it up like a tailor might for a suit. They would measure up the animal, and they would cr- they would make a bespoke yoke. We have to say that slowly. <laughs> and it would be it would be made so that it was custom- it was made as compass one animal, so that although they still had to carry the weight, it was made as comfortable as it could possibly be, where the animal may have had a a. a, a bone spur or, or a, a slightly odd deformity, the carpenter would make sure that it was, it, was, it was catered for. It would make sure that there were no pressure points, there were no rubs or, or cutting in, that the animal was comfortable so that the animal could, could work longer. We've got there a diagram of a yoke in action. And you can see the, the yoke is around um, the cow's neck. He's ploughing a field. That's how it would have worked. But of course, another reason why Jesus uses this image of a yoke, he was a carpenter. His dad was a carpenter. Well, he, 
Joseph was a carpenter. And of course, Jesus would have been very familiar with farmers coming in saying, I've got these, I've got these animals, I need, I need a yoke made. These are the, this is the animal that's going to be pulling the plough or carrying the water or whatever other burden it was. I need you to make a yoke. Make it as comfortable as possible so I can get as much work as possible out of this animal so it doesn't get cut and, and, and infected or anything like that. So Jesus would have been very familiar with what it was. When he says, come to me, he's almost saying, come to me and I will make you the most comfortable yoke you can possibly wear. But it doesn't stop there. You see, the offer's still there for us today. When we come to Christ, he says, I will make you the most comfortable yoke you can have. But not just a yoke like this one. You see, he says, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. That's not a permanent change. That's not a state of affairs that's going to last forever, that, that our burden's taken away and that we never again have to worry about anything, that, that every time we open a cupboard, food will be there. Every time we go to a cash point, we can take out as much as we like. He's not saying that. He says, just pause momentarily. I'll give you rest. It might be once a week on a Sunday morning. It might be once a day as we stop for prayer might be once a month if that's all we can manage to, to get to church. But Jesus says, if you come to me, I'll give you rest. But notice, in the passage, he says, I'll give you rest, full stop, pause, rest. And now you've rested. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. And you will find rest for your souls. So physically, you might still have that yoke upon you. You might still be pushing up or pulling away. You're, you're, you're pushing the yoke and you're pulling the burden. Um, you're still working. Physically, there's still the effort going in. But I'll give you rest for your soul. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. There's still a yoke that you have to use. There's still a, a burden that you're pulling along behind you. But it's a lot lighter and a lot easier than it was when you were trying to do it by yourself. You see, the yoke Jesus offers us is more like this one. When suddenly the burden is shared. There is still work to be done. There is still difficulty and hardship. We still have to put in the effort. We don't get an easy ride. But when we look next to us, we don't see emptiness. We see Jesus sharing that load sharing that yoke, walking alongside us. I'm not comparing us all to cows. What I am saying is that however we see ourselves, whether we see ourselves as a beast of burden, whether we see ourselves as, as someone who's simply too weak and pathetic to, to carry the weight of responsibility upon us, however we happen to see ourselves, Jesus says, look at me the same way. Look at me the same way. Rest for a minute. Build yourself up. And then together. Let's, this is my yoke, but I want you to take it up with me. Share it. Let's be on our way. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Let me take you back to the 13-year-old 
who's just put on his rucksack, having refused help from a member of staff. Because what happened was um, the member of staff shrugged his shoulders and says, okay, okay, fine, you've, you've got your rucksack on. You happy with that? Yes, sir, I'm happy with that. Easy, fine. Right, got, um, leave the minibus, off you go, you're starting your expedition. And we did our expedition, and I think, I was, I think it was about a 30-pound rucksack, so decent weight, but not too heavy. It was a two-day two expedition, one night, and um, it was around Danbury somewhere. Anyway, I did that expedition. One thing I noticed was that I was struggling. It was hard work. I'd not carried that sort of weight before, and um, uh, I, think we, I think it was about 25, 30 miles, something like that, over the two days, and I found it hard work. I never told anybody because I, I didn't want to. I thought, no, it's all right. Everyone else is doing it. Everyone else is coping. Everyone else seems to be in better shape than me, even the girls. And that bothered me. About six months later, there was an expedition advertised going to the French Pyrenees. And there was a practice expedition he had to do beforehand um, in the Scottish Highlands. And... Um, we went up to the Scottish Highlands, and sure enough, we, we, we got there one night, pitched our tents the next morning, got all of our gear together, packed tents, and we were going to go off on a, a four-day expedition. And um, we're actually, we're, no, it's more than four days. We're walking the West Highland Way from Glasgow up to Fort William. And um, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long distance footpath. And we were camping, and it was April time, and there was snow on the Highlands. It was pretty cold. Anyway, stood there. Everyone else gets their rucksack, rucksacks on and I don't really pay much attention, I pull, lift mine up by a strap, get it over one shoulder, wrestle it round, get the other one on, and that's it. And someone comes up to me and says, you're not going to walk like that, are you? Yeah. Seriously? What? You haven't tightened your straps? What straps? They then went on to explain that a rucksack has a yoke. The frame of a rucksack is called a yoke. And when you first put it on, and many of you will know this because <laughs> it's common sense unless you're a slightly arrogant 13-year-old. Um, and uh, he said, look, lean forward. He said, right, lift your back, pack right up as far as you can on, onto your lower back. And then your shoulder straps, pull them as tight as you can. And now the straps up here around, around the top of your neck, pull them as tight as you can and then stand up again. And you know, I stood up and it was, it was almost like I didn't have a rucksack on at all, even though it was a, it was a very heavy weight. And my rucksack then was about 65 pounds. It was quite heavy because um, we'd been given this dehydrated food, which was, which was just like powder and beef casserole and rhubarb and custard. One was brown powder, one was yellow. They looked the same, they tasted the same, they were foul. So um, we'd been given them and told to use them, but I, 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 I binned them and I'd gone out and I'd bought um, sort of boiled in a bag meals, which are lovely, very nice, but they weigh a ton. And so my rucksack was about three times the weight of everybody else's. But you know what? I did that expedition. I managed it. It was hard work. I'm not saying it was easy. And I did the same thing in the Pyrenees as well, where the air was much thinner and it was even harder. But you know, I did it. I got through it. Why? Because when someone had offered me help, eventually I'd taken it. When someone had shown me how to make my yoke as comfortable as possible, I found it was so much easier to carry the burden I had to carry. Since then, I've been a member of staff in the Air Cadets. And I've done the same sort of thing. Had a kid say, I don't need help, so I just put on a rucksack, duh. And I thought, okay, off you go. And then next time I've said, right, let me show you how to do it properly. And every time, there's, as they stand up with the straps tightened and the, 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 the rucksack on properly, there's this, 
Sir, that's amazing. Yeah, it is. When someone says, come to me and I will help you, why wouldn't you take the help? When you're carrying a burden that you're struggling under, why wouldn't you accept the offer of, of help, of support, of rest, and then, and then someone to accompany you on the journey? Well, you would, wouldn't you? So much more so when that's an offer for life. When that's an offer to carry every burden with you that you will ever face in life. You see, today we can we, we can we have this we have all these different resources, don't we? I've got I've got um, the the Alpha Course flyer there, and um, uh, you know Bear Grylls there, and as sick as everybody else is of Ian trying to convince us that he looks like Bear Grylls, when actually he's more of a dead ringer for Ray Mears. Um, but you see. We have all these great resources. We can invite people to all these events, and that is brilliant, but we mustn't lose sight of the fact that we should be pointing out to them that Jesus doesn't invite them to Alpha Courses. He doesn't invite them to, to lunches or, or, or suppers or, or, meet or any other sort of meeting. He says, come to me. We should bring them on the Alpha Course. We should make sure that we point them to Jesus. We should invite them to every single event that we possibly can and make sure that they realize that the point of the invitation is to come to Jesus Holiday at home this summer, it was, it was brilliant, it was great fun, really enjoyed it, and, and loads of people supported me and made it very, very, um, very easy. They shared the burden. When I first agreed to take it on, I thought, oh, no, what have I done? What have I done? I, I, don't, I don't really spend a lot of time with elderly people. I don't really know how to deal with them. Um, what, what, what do I say to them? <laughs> Still thinking that now a little bit. <laughs> but you see, it was brilliant, because I had this huge team who said, who said, right, if you want anything, come to us. And I did. And so all the admin was taken off me, all the, the catering was taken off me. All I had to do was stand there and, and, and talk a little bit about Jesus. My burden was made so much lighter. We still had to do the event. It was still there, but it was shared. Jesus says, share your burden with me. Come to me. I will give you rest. And once you've rested, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So as we start this new season, this new term, let's just try and give ourselves a moment. Try and give ourselves time. I spoke to someone recently who said, you know, I've started getting up half an hour early in the morning so I can spend time with God. And the difference it's made is incredible. And at the time I thought to myself, that's fantastic. That's brilliant. I haven't done anything about it myself. This isn't confession time or anything, but I know that I could do things that would allow me. If, if, I, if my day is too busy, there are things I could do, actually. Sacrifice a little bit of time in bed in the, in the morning or maybe the evening. There are things I could do to allow me to have that little bit of extra time with God. And although it might seem like a chore at the time, it might seem like something you think, oh, I really don't want, I don't like mornings, don't want to get up earlier. Actually, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. If we make that time to come to Jesus, to give ourselves some rest with him, and then to pick up our burden and start plowing our furrow with him alongside us. So let's just try this this coming term, as, as, as work kicks off, as school kicks off, as college kicks off, as everything becomes busy again in the run into harvest and Christmas and the new year and all these things that, that suddenly come rushing towards us as soon as autumn comes. 
Let's take that time. And let's make sure that we're not plowing a lone furrow, but instead, Jesus is right there with us. Before we finish with our songs of worship this morning, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the life that you led. Thank you that never did you back out of a situation where where you had a great burden to carry. Thank you that you set the example of, of turning to God. You set the example of turning to your Father in prayer and in scripture. Lord Jesus, thank you for the life that you led and the way that you conducted yourself. And we pray that you will help us to follow your example. We pray, Father, that we won't measure ourselves by the number of people we get to come to different events, but instead we will measure ourselves as a church by the number of people that we bring to you. Because you are the only way to salvation. You are our saviour and we give thanks that we can come and worship you. We give thanks that we can lay our burdens at your feet and we can enjoy some rest in your presence and that then we can take up our burden with a yoke that is made especially for us and we can walk out of here sharing that with you. One who carried the ultimate burden on the cross. One for whom no burden is too heavy because you've paid the price for the burden of sin. The heaviest burden that mankind could face, you paid that price. Lord Jesus, we give thanks in your holy name.